Hey guys, welcome to Facials and Facelifts, uh, your skincare podcast where we talk about everything beauty, skincare, plastic surgery, we debunk myths, we talk about trends, and we're here for you guys to give you a little bit of education, but also make it fun. I'm one of the hosts, Dr. Deepa Bhatt. I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon. And I'm Brittany. I own Skin Radiance Med Spa. I'm also a licensed medical esthetician. Um, so let's just jump right in. I know that Perfect. we had been talking about the differences between lasers and chemical peels. And um, I, th- I think maybe just starting with chemical peels, um, and then I, I'm much more familiar with chemical peels, and I know you have um, definitely used different types of lasers and stuff. Um, and I just kind of want to go over the differences between it. Um, so starting off, every time someone hears chemical peel, a lot of times they think of like battery acid on your face. It just keeps eating everything away mm-hmm. and you're going to risk getting burnt and you can't be out in the sun ever. And like all the things that are bad and you have to hide for like a month at a time. Um, and that's not always true. There's different levels of chemical peels. You have your lighter chemical peels, which are, which are just lightening, brightening. They can be derived from different um, things like lactic is derived from milk, glycolic is great, but glycolic is resurfacing, but it's not necessarily something that's going to make your face fall off. Um, lactic is actually still hydrating while resurfacing, so I do it to a lot of brides before their um, wedding day, so that's really fun. Um, and then you go to um, higher grade chemical peels, you can have your TCAs, Jesners, and then you have your like medical, which those are the ones that all those stories that you hear about of yes. <laughs> not being out in the sun yeah. and hiding for a long amount of time. That's, that's the medical ones. Um, and those need to be done by an experienced professional. 100%. Don't, don't go on Groupon and look for some kind of really, really strong chemical peel. Um, I just don't advise. Don't do a discount on that one. Do your research. (laughs) Well, honestly, the same could be said about anything in the aesthetic field. Absolutely. There's so few things that you should be discount shopping on that are the same throughout. Um, And to your point, I feel like when people say a chemical peel or a laser, it it's such a broad category. It's like saying, I drive a car. Well, okay. Do you drive like a, a mini Cooper? Do you drive a Bentley? <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, what are you doing? Like, because obviously, you know, if you drive a car from like the 1800s, that's like, you know, an old vintage antique, whatever, it's going to run very differently. Mm-hmm. I am acting like a car expert. I'm not. Um, <laughs> You're definitely good with that yeah. analogy, though. <laughs> it's going to run a lot differently than something, you know, than a Tesla. It, it should, they're two very different vehicles, right? Um, and so it's interesting when you say that, you know, there's different types of chemical peels. Yes, 100%. There's different types of lasers as well. And the way that your skin tolerates them, maybe you're a good candidate for one, maybe you're a really bad candidate for another one. But that's why you go to the experts. That's why you figure out what is right, right for your skin. Whether you know it has to do with your Fitzpatrick, uh, whether it has to do with the um, certain conditions that your skin is more prone to, etc. So it's not like a one and done. I have friends being like, "Oh, well, I want a chemical peel or I want a laser," but it goes so much uh, more in depth than that, and that's why you really should be going to an expert. Yes, yes. And then one thing you had mentioned, I know a lot of people don't understand. Can you kind of explain what Fitzpatrick is? Yes. Um, so that's a great question. Yes, it's so important when it comes to lasers and chemical peels. That is very, very important to determine what you are actually are a candidate for. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people 
that are somewhat familiar with the Fitzpatrick scale, just assume that it has to do with the color of your skin. Um, and that is a part of it, but that's not all of it, right? So the Fitzpatrick, Fitz, Medical, <laughs> Fitzpatrick scale actually has a lot to do with how your skin reacts to the sun as well. Yes. So Fitzpatrick one that is very, very, very traditionally fair skinned and they tan very, very rarely. They burn very, very easily mm -hmm. versus all the way on the other, you have a Fitzpatrick that is much higher and then those patients never ever almost burn and then they tan very, very easily. So it is a scale. Um, do you have more to add? Um, well, yes, you have the scale, even when someone is, is judging your Fitzpatrick, like you were saying, um, ethnicity kind of weighs into that a lot. Um, for example, I, um, my ethnicity, I'm Chinese and my skin is not super dark. I mean, I have olive skin I have a nice color. However, if I get a cut or if I go out in the sun, I, I tan very easily. And I find with clients, especially, um, you know, when you have, uh, even the lighter skin tone, it can be a little bit deceiving because if I'm not careful and I do something too strong, I will burn and I will have a scar left behind um, from it. Even though if you were just to look at my skin, you'd be like, oh, she can handle it. She doesn't have super active melanocytes. And melanocytes is what gives your skin pigment. It's that color that comes up technically when your skin is damaged, um, actually. So also kind of keep that in mind when you're out in the sun, you get a tan. It's not just a tan. That is actually your skin burning. Yes. Yeah. And it's your skin's reaction mm -hmm. to the damage that's occurring to your skin. So that's a great point. Someone can be very, very fair skin when you look at them at first sight, but then, you know, maybe they turn a completely different color the second they turn out into the sun and right. it's not red. They just tan very, very, very easily. And so then that should be your tip off that this patient probably has a higher Fitzpatrick than someone that is paler, but then just burns the second they step out into the sun. Right? Absolutely. And then understanding the Fitzpatrick number one. Um, if you have an understanding for that, then know that a, a lot of people think I I've had so many people call and they'll just be like, I want the strongest chemical peel possible. You know, I had one done in the past and it was amazing. It just took everything off. And then I was, you know, it looked great. And I do it once a year. That is something to be very, very, very cautious of, um, especially the older we get. Um, doing a strong chemical peel once a year, your skin may react differently next year than it did this year based on your sun exposure, based on the age of your skin, based on what chemicals you've been putting on it with whatever products. All of those things weigh in. And in my honest opinion, doing a series, you're going to get much better results, meaning start off a little bit lighter. Don't go straight into the heavier ones. In mm -hmm. fact, the aggressive medical ones, I won't even do those on my on my patients until they've done a couple prep treatments, meaning I have to get your skin in a cellular turnover process where it's already in the process of healing so that it doesn't shock your skin. Sure. When I put a strong chemical peel on, and then what happens is if I surprise your skin with something really, really aggressive, you have a higher um, chance of burning or having the you know scars left behind, the little streaks, the dark spots, um, because your skin wasn't prepped properly. So that's just something really, really important to keep in mind. And that's the same for laser. You can't just go straight into an aggressive laser treatment without any prep whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And that's why, you know, that's a kind of a good transition into the world of lasers. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that we have a really interesting perspective here because you are way more in tune with the world of chemical peels. And I'm a little bit more in tune with the world of lasers because that's 
um, what I'm more comfortable with, the old school, you know, Justner peels, the phenol peels um, that offer honestly tremendous results, but at the same time, you know, have a risk of cardiac side effects. So you have to be hooked up to cardiac monitoring, maybe not, you know, necessary anymore because we have newer technology like the erbium laser, like the CO2 laser, which is not necessarily new reason that I am a fan of lasers is that it's very controlled. I know exactly how deep micron-wise that I'm getting into your skin, right? So I can deliver a very, very precise treatment to your skin, um, which becomes more important when we're talking about ablative lasers and we're talking about, yes, peeling off the entire top layer of your face. You want it to be a little bit more controlled than maybe taking someone to the operating room, sedating them and doing a phenol. Peel. Yeah, I I agree with you. I, I love my chemical peels, but when it gets to the um, extent like you're talking about where I don't want to have to hook my, my patients up to anything to do a chemical peel, that's just, that's very, very aggressive. I would rather go the route of laser. Um, but talking about laser, I have a lot, a lot of people assume that lasers are also all very, very aggressive. Is that the case? Do I have to worry about downtime with a laser? Um, and then you had mentioned different kinds of lasers. Are they um, like, what makes them different? Is it just a different brand or do they target something different? What would I be looking for if I'm looking for some kind of laser treatment? Yeah, great question. I think the most important thing to remember is that there are a hundred different laser brands, varieties, et cetera. But the technology is by and large very similar in that there's multiple different types of lasers that do different types of things. Um, there's, we can broadly categorize lasers as ablative and non-ablative. And there are some lasers um, like the Cyton Halo, for example, that are a mix of ablative and non-ablative. Um, and that really has to do with how aggressive these lasers are. Ablative means it takes off you know, the entire everything right okay. and then non-ablative means that it doesn't take off the top layer it targets deeper so it there's so much that goes into it there's also ipl which is not actually a laser at all it's intense pulse light but people it's a misnomer they say that it's a laser and it's broadly categorized in the same category because it does do very similar things so for example, if you have um, like telangiectasias or broken blood vessels or something on your face, the type of laser you'd be using is very, very different than if your main concern was fine lines and wrinkles, right, right? right? So that's why you kind of have to have a consultation first to figure out, A, what laser is most appropriate for you? And two, are you an appropriate candidate for that laser? Um, for example, someone of my skin color would not do very well with a complete erbium, you know, heavy resurfacing. Um, my Fitzpatrick is just too high. There's a super, super, super high likelihood of um, post-inflammatory, PIH, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, of permanent scarring. We've, I think, all seen these videos circulating around the internet of lasers gone wrong, and that's what you oh, really yeah. like to avoid, right? Um, but not to scare people, in the right patient, lasers are transformed. Formative. They can take off years and years and years of sun damage in honestly just a few sessions. And they really are a great maintenance therapy as well as our chemical peels, right? right? right. Um, it's something that, you know, you don't necessarily do once and you're done for the rest of your life. Guess what? Skin damage accumulates. You're out in the sun after your laser at some point in your life. Um, and that damage is going to keep coming back. So it's just something to maintain. 
Yes, yes, that's a really good point. Um, maintenance is very, very important with all of it because, and a lot of times I also get the question, well, how long will my results last? Um, the results that you get are technically like not, they're permanent, but not permanent, meaning you're still gonna age. You're still gonna have, you know, free radicals and things breaking, breaking down the cells. Life is still gonna happen and things are going to break down. Um, and one thing I did have a question about, because it's also something I have um, a lot of my, my clients ask, is you, you mentioned you can use laser for broken blood vessels, which a lot of people get them you know, right around the nose or it can spread out along the cheeks. What does the laser do to basically get rid of those? Because I will say that if that's what you're trying to treat, chemical peels will not help with that. Chemical peels are more for resurfacing. They may have other targeting um, factors, but when it comes to broken blood vessels, they're not going to do anything. So what does laser do to help get rid of that? Yeah, and I think that the answer really is that the laser is able to target the deeper structures of the face rather than the chemical peel. It's something that's surface level because it physically sits on the surface of your skin, right? And the very top layer of your skin is not where those broken blood vessels right, sit. Right. So it's targeting underneath that layer, which is why these lasers are effective for those sorts of problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And going back to your earlier question of, you know, do all of these lasers melt your face off is, you know, do they all have this epic amount of downtime where you can't even like go out to lunch without looking scary? Um, the answer is really no, because I've had lasers on my face and you can't even tell the next day. You can't yeah. even tell an hour later. Yeah, it's a little spicy going on sometimes, mm -hmm. but then you're completely fine, like, you know, 20 minutes later. So things like the Pico laser, things like the Moxie, which is a thulium-based laser, um, it's a, uh, you do it and it's minimal downtime. Mm -hmm. The BBL Halo, IPLs, zero downtime, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so things like that, it's like a lunchtime thing. You just schedule a half an hour and they're so quick. Lasers are a very quick procedure and nobody is the wiser, right? Yeah. But then things that do become a little bit more invasive, like the CO2, like the erbium, like sometimes even the halo has a few days downtime that you are going to want to be like, you know, maybe not going out to Thanksgiving dinner next <laughs> or something. Yes, no, exactly. And so. well, and the, they all have different things that they are targeting. Same thing for the chemical yeah. peels. Um, glycolic, like I said, it kills the bacteria. Lactic is more lightning, brightening, glowy. Um, but if I want to do a TCA, I am looking specifically to resurface my skin. So if your, if your concern is more texture um, or even smoothing out scarring, we can't erase the scars, but I want to be able to smooth it out so that, especially like, my main thing is, can I get it to the point where when you put your makeup on, you can't really see anything. There's less yeah. texture. And that's when chemical peels and laser are so, so good for smoothing out the surface. And that you will have some downtime with that. Um, and it will take more than one treatment. Um, but also remember that all the scars, all the deep lines and wrinkles you have on your face, that took a lifetime to get there. So realistic expect expectation. It's not just a one and done like you, you said. Um, and after you're done with your series of treatments and you get the results, there is a, a, an amount of maintenance required to maintain the results that you get. That's right. So, um, and then something we had talked about earlier is just when we talk about skin maintenance and just doing things um, regularly to, to help, whether it's, you know, facials, chemical peels, whatnot, um, is the the is how much it's needed before doing anything surgical, such as a facelift? Um, can you kind of tell me? Um, I know you had mentioned just uh, patients would need to do some kind of series or something before getting any kind of facelift. Like, what is the purpose or intent of that? Sure. 
So if you're going to be investing the time and resources into a facelift, I say put everything into it that you can possibly do to give you the best possible outcome. And I liken a facelift with some sort of adjunctive procedure, whether it be a peel, whether it be a laser, um, and definitely post-operative skincare routines as um, baking a cake and then icing it. So baking a cake, that's the structure, right? That's like the physical form of your, of your face. That's what a facelift does. It restores that form. But then the cake isn't complete. It's bare. There's still something off about it. And then perfectly being able to ice that cake. So that's that adjunctive procedure. That's what makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard someone else, really good analogy. It's like making your bed. Um, I can't remember. It was a plastic surgeon that said, I can't remember who it was, um, but it's making your bed. And then the laser and the skincare and all the adjunctive procedures, it's smoothing out those wrinkles in your bed. Right, right. And giving you that like you know, chef's kiss, finishing touch. Oh, absolutely. So if you're thinking about a surgical procedure, um, I would so, so, so strongly recommend that you make sure that you go see an esthetician um, before and certainly after as well um, with that works with your plastic surgeon to collaborate and give you the best possible outcome because, you know, maybe they want you to start a tretinol, a tretinoin or a retinol at some point for a couple weeks before the facelift. Maybe they want, that's something that they want you to do a little bit after you've healed. Um, There are different topical products that just help the healing process a little bit faster, but don't discount that um, just because you think your facelift, your blepharoplasty, your eyelid lift is gonna, you know, take care of all of your problems because um, what surgery does not necessarily do effectively is take care of textural issues, right? That's something that's very hard to do with a knife unless you physically cut it out, like a scar or something. Um, so just something to keep in mind. No, absolutely. Um, the, all of it goes hand in hand, and like you mentioned, it's very important if you can. Find someone, um, if you're going to go to a facial specialist, for example, who at least knows what's going on with what you've paid for with your plastic surgeon. Um, Because like you said, your doctor may have you on some products that your esthetician would need to know because that's going to change how I treat your skin moving forward. If you're on a really strong, you know, even if it is just tretinoin, that makes a difference on what I can put on your skin. Um, So there's all kinds of different factors that um, both parties need to be aware of so that we can give you the best possible outcome. Um, And then talking about texture and taking care of your skin and things like that, a lot of people also, I've had, I had one client actually a while ago, she told me, I went and got Botox and it's great, but my line's still there. And the, um, we had talked about the difference between Botox and filler, which I would love to get into. Um, But before we go into that, just understand that whether you do, you're doing surgical things, Botox, fillers, whatever it is on the medical side, the skin still needs to be taken care of. That is something that you want it to be healthy because you can do all the Botox and fillers in the world and your skin can still look like crap. <laughs> like, it's true. And we've seen it. You've seen it where it could be the pores are just super congested. It's something as simple as that or it could just be texture and the little bumps under the skin. Botox is not going to get rid of that and Botox is not going to instantly get rid of every single line in your face. 
Um, you need something to relax the muscles, but then you also need to have some kind of skincare treatments as well to help to smooth out those lines. It's like folding a piece of paper. If I unfold it, there's still a crease here. So Correct. what can we do after that? So that's a, that's a really great analogy. Uh, and I tell patients the same thing. I say your facial muscles are muscles like just like anywhere else in your body. Like unfortunately or fortunately, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like let's say you have a six pack. You've worked really hard to develop that six pack. If you have, you know, an ice cream sundae one day, your your six pack doesn't like magically disappear forever. <laughs> exactly. Right? And thank God for that. Thank Not goodness. that I'll never know. But... But Botox is the same way. Yes, it'll relax those muscles, but it takes years and years and years of time to to build that up, right? right. To build those deep set wrinkles up. We have static rightids and dynamic rightids. Rightids is the medical term for wrinkles. So if you are someone that already has static rightids, which means that you have wrinkles at rest, your first session of Botox sorry, I'll tell you right now, and I tell all patients this, it's just not, they're just not going to go away. And over time, you work on softening those lines, you work on weakening those muscles. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that while I can't completely get rid of all of the lines that you already have with just Botox, what I can do is make sure that they don't get any worse. Right, right. And so what is the difference between Botox and filler? Which one would I need? For example, um, a lot of people are really self-conscious about the the lines right here in the center. Mm -hmm. Would that need Botox? Does that need filler? What do we do to fix that? Um, how would I know which one to ask for? Great question. So these lines, your frowny lines, um, more commonly called your 11s, 11s right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so two muscles that play into this area, your corrugator and your procerus, and that's really what we're weakening there. Um, but in terms of filler versus Botox, here, really the best treatment is Botox for a variety of reasons. Because here, those lines are caused by overactivation or strengthening of those muscles. People just like frown a lot or they just genetically have um, very strong muscles there. And Botox weakens the muscle. And that's how you prevent the line from forming because the muscle essentially can't um, activate anymore. And when you activate your facial muscles, that's what's causing the lines, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing, people traditionally don't fill this area. Um, it's called your glabella just because there's a lot of really important blood vessels that run there um, and it has a relatively higher risk of vascular occlusion than other parts of your face. Um, so things like this, Botox. For fine lines, Botox. For um, things that happen when you're really moving your face a lot, Botox. What yeah. filler is really, really good at doing is restoring volume. Okay. Um, so sometimes people kind of use it unanimously or put it all under the same category, but they're two very different products. Botox doesn't have any volume to it in terms of you inject it and, and that's it, right? It's like right. a shot. Right. Um, filler is also an injectable, but what it does, it's most commonly the, the hyaluronic acid fillers, what they do is they draw water, they draw hydration to that area and it helps plump things up. So if you're like, I hate the fact that I have, you know, nasal labial folds, like lines right here, or that like everything seems to be falling, then filler is probably the treatment you're looking for versus right. you're like, I don't like my frown lines, that's Botox. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, two very, very um, effective 
um, procedures to do when, you know, Botox is, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, just at instantly, just instantly smooths all these, these lines that I hate here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and by instantly, we mean seven days. In, within, <laughs> yes. Within the appropriate has, amount yes, of time, yes. you're not going to leave there with a frozen face. Yes. Um, and, and then fillers, as long as you have the right person doing it, because like you said, you do have to place it correctly. And same thing for Botox. Um, you know, the only thing that I've ever heard, you know, I have some clients that are a little concerned that it might change their face too much. Yeah. Um, and if you have the right person doing it for you, they're going to help do it, doing it, everything. Do, first of all, it doesn't matter if it's skincare, if it's surgeries, whatever, everything in moderation. Yeah. Everything. Even what you use at home in moderation. You could have 100 million different products at home. There's just no reason. Your body, your skin can only absorb so much. Yeah. So everything in moderation for the best outcome. Agreed. And I just do want to put in a disclaimer real quick. Um, when I say Botox, that is like me saying Vaseline instead of petroleum jelly. What I really mean is a broader, larger term um, of neuromodulators. So Botox is kind of like a analogous to me saying Dysport or Xeomin or Doxify or Juvel. There's many, many different brand names, um, all with very slight similarities um, that all essentially do the same thing, which is relax your muscles. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We hope you found this educational as well as somewhat entertaining. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed listening to us, we'd love it if you could like, follow, subscribe, share with your friends. We are both located in South Tampa, Florida. We've linked all of our socials um, below in the description as well as at the end of this video. So thanks for tuning in, and we're looking forward to hanging next time.